yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well. Just how far do Arsenal need to be ahead of Man City at the halfway stage for us to really start thinking if we can win this league? Hello, welcome to Fog and Grey. I'm Jack Wood and as ever alongside Tom Clark. Hello, Jack. We are talking off the back of Arsenal beating Brighton 2-0 at home and also we're recording just after the Champions League draw where we've drawn Porto, which is quite favourable, isn't it? It's all right, isn't it? I mean, you look at the. the I just looked at pot two, and I, I, I just mentally thought that pot two was going to be ah, oh, well, well, no one in that. There's some good sides in that. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with that draw. That we'll go into that more, but I'm, I think that's a decent draw for us, to be honest. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But let's, um, let's deal with the, the business at hand, which is us beating Brighton two 0 and going back to top of the Premier League after both City and Liverpool drop points at the weekend. I'm not mentioning Villa. Hot take? I don't oh, know. Oh, we're not, we're not mentioning Villa, no, we're not nah, going there, we're not, we're not going there just yet. Villa. Okay, fine. Nothing to do with the fact that my uncle, who never ever fucking messages me ever, now Villa are good every single time they're playing, he's like, Villa are doing well, aren't they? I'm like, oh, fuck off, it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. Um, Where were you when you were shit? That's what I keep trying, <laughs> to, keep trying to sell them. Bring back Remy Gard. <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard for about a decade. Well, Goodness not a decade, me. about five years. Jesus Goodness Christ. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll leave them out of the discussion for now. That's a bit of a throwback. Anyway, anyway, back to the Emirates. Um, I tell you what, it, was, it wasn't the game I thought it was going to be. I thought Brighton were going to make it a lot more difficult for us. And whether that's them having an off game or our press just being so efficient, I thought we just controlled that game really well. I thought Brighton were going to Brighton, but overall they just didn't no I mean I think they tried I, I, I genuinely I don't think they played poorly I think um, I think yesterday was the to me at least feels like the perfect illustration of what we were looking for to be the difference this season in comparison to last season and the way that we played Brighton towards the end of last season and I mean let's be honest got absolutely battered in our own backyard by a Brighton team who had a really good season. Um, and, you know, I think we, we towards the end of last year, were, were lacking that experience. We were lacking that ability to get hold of the ball and control the game at our own pace when we needed to, when we really, really needed to. And let, yesterday was just the, the polar opposite of that. We didn't let them have a sniff, really. I mean, you know, until, until, uh, Pascal Gross's um, guilt-edge chance, admittedly, in the last 10 minutes, they didn't really have a, a, a sniff at all of the goal, um, which is very, very impressive for a team, I think I saw the stat, was that there's the first time in 32 Premier League games they failed to score. Mm. I mean, that's, an, that's, that's a hell of a record to have. Um, and it just shows how mature we are defensively now. And it just shows how well we, we were able to control the game. I think I said a couple of weeks ago after the Wolves game that we, I was getting a little bit frustrated with us always having the feeling of a bit of desperation. And we never really had full grasp of the game. And yesterday was the complete antithesis of that. We, we, we had control of the game. You know, at no point did I fear that we weren't going to win the game, really. It was, it was bizarre and great to watch. Yeah, it was um it yeah, it was just very it was almost mundane in a way. It was just yeah. like this, this, yeah, yeah we're, we're just controlling this. We'll we'll knock off a goal. Um but there are there is that argument that it could have been same old Arsenal as far as this season's concerned. 
with only being mm. one nil ahead despite having a huge amount of chances, completely controlling the game. Brighton didn't have a sniff. And if Gross mm. had a scored that goal on 84, 85 minutes, whatever it was, all of a sudden we're staring down the barrel of a one-all draw at home to Brighton when we were by far the better team in the game. Yeah, I think um, I think that, that that's true. You're right. We 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 really we really could have been uh, looking at a one-all draw in a game that we completely dominated. But then I think that's football. Um, you know, there's a lot of variables in football, and with a team like Brighton, you know, and coached as well as they are by Deserby with players who are technically gifted and players who have a lot of attacking um, ability. You know, they're not a team who. Who, they don't go anywhere and sit back. They're never going to put 10 men behind the ball. They're never going to play a low block. That's not how Brighton play. It's not how Deserby plays. You've got to admire that about them. So with a team like that, they're always going to have a chance. They're always going to have one big chance. And when it comes down to it, you've got to limit them to that chance. You know they're going to have it. They're never going to go a game with, you know, the fact they haven't, they, they, that was the first game they haven't scored in for 32 in the league tells you the story. They're never not going to have a chance. All you can do is try and limit those chances and try and put yourselves in a position where, you know, even if they do score one, you're still going to win the game. Um, and yeah, you're right. After 84 minutes, it could quite easily have been one all, which I think would have been really unfair on us. Um, but that's football, isn't it? That happens. I mean, you know, you watch the Liverpool United game. Liverpool absolutely dominated the game. Complete control at no point were out of control. And yet there was still a last last five minutes, a really decent opportunity for United to nick it. So that's the beauty and the terror of the game that we love so much, I think. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was it was it was really it was really brilliantly controlled. Now, don't get me wrong. If that gross goal had a chance gone in, we'd be having a very different conversation right now about perhaps our, our lack of ability to put games away. Um but yeah, looking at the positives, I just think the, the control we had over the game, the comfort we appeared to be in for the entire thing, and there was no desperation, there was no frantic um, search for a goal. You know, it just we just kind of kept doing our thing. And I think in the first half, we saw enough from our attacking movements that told us that there was going to be there was going to be a goal in this for us, at least one goal. So I think we just kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away until that goal came. Um, and yeah, I, 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 overall, probably in terms of playing a, a really good side, I possibly say one of our top two or three performances of the season, to be honest. Yeah. In, in an unheadline way. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. I, I, like, it, I, wasn't, I used... it wasn't a stunning five nil win and we weren't beating Man City, but it was, it was just really solid and, and it's easy to forget how good Brighton are. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's it. I don't, I don't think Arteta would have made much of this now. I mean, you go back a few seasons and he was showing the players um, Ivan Tony's tweet after the Brentford game in a way of let's get revenge. But Brighton have become a bit of a bogey team of ours. Mm, um, and I wonder how much that would have been playing on the minds of the players, especially... That was such a hammer blow last season. And, you know, mm. you think back to, I think we only have a 50% win record at home to Brighton under Arteta. I think out of the six before the game at the weekend, we'd only won three out of the six. Mm. And we'd lost the other three. So it it had the feel of a potential banana skin with obviously what had happened at Villa. Yes, I know we'd had the, the dead rubber Champions League game in between. 
but recovering from losing at Villa and, you know, this narrative of Arsenal are living by the edge in terms of only nicking a goal or two per game, really, it it could have been... I, I, used the, I used the word mundane earlier. It just it was just very workmanlike. Mm. And I think yeah. I do think if Havertz hadn't have scored the second goal, then I think you could have started seeing people getting a little bit nervous just by the way things have been going this season. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good time to get that second goal um after Gross just missing that chance. That, yeah. re- that really just killed the game where it could have been a nervous five, ten minutes at the end. But overall, I'm I'm going back to my Twitter bro phrase of Arteta coach to win. Yeah. And it all went pretty swimmingly. We're gonna talk about the the lack of a lethal finisher up front. Mm. But the midfield looked a lot more settled, didn't it? I think what we can remember quite vivid, or what I can remember certainly quite vividly about last season is, and I know we've mentioned this before, is how consistent we were with our starting lineups and how every game that we started with Partey, Shaka, and Odegaard, you had a feeling, well, we'll be fine. Because the midfield, the midfield, the, 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 the middle of that team was performing at such a consistent level all the way through. When those three players were there, you felt like we could beat anyone. You know, you really, really did last season. And we felt like we were missing that a little bit this year. You know, Shaka had left and Party was, was had been out injured since week two or whatever. And, you know, it just felt a little bit. And Rice had come in and, and, and uh, we should just get, that, uh, get this out of the way now. Rice, again, unbelievable. There's no point going into detail anymore. The guy is just constantly the best player mm-hmm. on the pitch. Um. But even though Rice had started the season really well for us, Erdegaard was a little bit off. Havertz hadn't settled in. We were swapping Trossard in. We were putting Fabio Vieira there for some of the games. It just wasn't a settled midfield. And I think now that those three are settled there and Havertz's performances have really picked up in that in that left eight role and Erdegaard is really getting back to his best, brilliant yesterday. We, we, we look a lot, lot better as a team now that those midfield three do appear to have gelled and do appear to have settled as a midfield three. Um, And I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, I think they've really, really hit their stride and they know how each other work and they know what to expect from each other now. Well, that's it. To me, me, there's no coincidence. That's all of a sudden we look a much better team overall. You used when Xhaka Partey and Odegaard were starting last season, you felt, oh, we'll have a decent hold of this game. I know we're only, I say only, we're almost halfway through the season already. Yeah. But now Havertz is really starting to find his feet, and that he is doing Jesus. Um, that that trio of Havertz, Erdegaard, and Rice. Whenever mm. those three are starting, I'm like, yeah, all right, fancy this. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean is a hell of a compliment to all three of them. You know, Erdegaard is the only real. Well, he is the only survivor from last year's midfield that was so brilliant consistently. Um, and Havertz coming in and playing an unfamiliar role. You know, it's taken him some time to settle, but he's really settled, settled into it now. And he looks, he looks made for that role. To be honest, he looks perfectly comfortable in that role. It's really good to see. And obviously, as I said before, Rice is just a, a, an exquisite football player. Um, uh, and it's, so, yeah, you're right. I think it is starting to get to that stage where, if the worst had happened and we, in the next round of the Champions League, we managed to draw Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. If we manage to put those three in the middle of the park, 
I'd, I'm not going to say I'd make us favourites, but I'd, I'd definitely fancy, fancy our chances um, in a way that I don't think I'd have said three weeks ago, you know, four weeks ago. I really don't. Well, that's it. Where, like so a, where, where do you rank us? How far do you think we could go in the Champions League with this current squad? I think... Um, I think it's always really, really difficult to say because, you know, Bayern Munich are obviously really highly, highly impressive, but they're not even top of their own league at the moment. Um, and Real Madrid, highly, highly impressive. Um, but the other sides in their league, Barcelona included, aren't particularly at their best spot. So they're kind of ticking along in their leagues, but they always do because they are so far and miles above everyone else in the league in terms of finances, in terms of players, in terms of squad. I think it will be interesting to see those teams play against other elite teams. Off the top of my head, I'd probably say we are in the top four teams in that Champions League draw. I really do believe that. I, I look at, obviously, Man City, you know, really hard to look past them. If Liverpool were in it, I think they'd be they'd be somewhere near it too, but they're not. Um I yeah I think if you're if you're looking at semi-finals in a in a perfect world if if the draw ends up in a in the ideal way you're looking at the semi-finals being made up of two games between Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester City and Arsenal. I I and maybe I'm massively naive. I haven't been I'd, in the Champions League for what, many I'm, years. I'm glad I am glad you think that because I was going to make a similar point. Like there's mm. no such thing as an easy game once you get to the knockouts of the Champions League. Porto's not going to be a walk in the park. Definitely not. But in terms of the quality of our squad and the quality of the others that are in the knockout stages now, you look at Real Madrid, you look at Bayern Munich, you look at City, obviously. I, you, you can't look past into Milan mm. because, you know, they're Italians, they've just got that know-how of... Yeah, and I mean, they made it out. to the final for a reason last exactly. season, let's be honest. Exactly, but other than that, I'd, I, would, I would rank us among them. So I'm, mm. I'm not saying we're going to win the Champions League, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's quite underrated within those that aren't Arsenal fans at the minute, just how good we are. Because I think yeah. if, you, if you look at the team last season, obviously we had a lot of quality, but if you compare that to the quality of City, of Real Madrid last season... Our, our our whole squad is nowhere near, yeah. nowhere near, and we and we managed to, I say, achieve what we did. We didn't win anything, but the way we performed throughout last season and the way we nearly beat City to the league and pushed them so far, mm. there's there's so much to go out there and add, add Rice to that, add Havertz to that, add a fit Gabby Jesus to that. I think we've got quite. I think we've got a higher ceiling than a lot of people are giving credit for. Yeah, and I mean, I think you have to you have to also remember, you know, we spoke a little bit before, and I'm sure we'll we'll go into it a little bit more that um, you know, this time last season, or not quite this time last season, but after 19 games of the league season, you know, we had 50 points. You know, we're not going to be at that level this year. And actually, when you look back, that is an absolutely incredible, incredible number of points for halfway through the season. However. Also, this time last season, if we had an injury or if things weren't really working out for Martinelli on the left wing, we didn't have Trossard to bring on. You know, if 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 we had a cup game midweek 
or if we had a dead rubber Champions League or European game and we didn't want to risk Declan Rice, we didn't have Jorginho. We didn't have Declan Rice for one, but we didn't even have Jorginho. Um, if Zinchenko had an off game and we wanted to put someone in at else at left back, we didn't have Jakob Kirior. You know, you forget actually that we we were very light after the first 11 last season. You know, you were pretty much, if 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 Saka or Martinelli weren't fit, it's Reese Nelson or nobody. And that was it last year. Or you put Fabio Vieira out there and he wasn't ready for it. So, you know, I, I think we've definitely improved the first 11. Rice is an incredible football player. Um, and would 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 make it into any midfield in the world, no doubt in my mind about that. Um, but in terms of the squad depth, we've got so many more options now, and there aren't many there aren't many clubs in European football that do have the options that we have. There just aren't. So yeah, in terms of in terms of that European elite, and I might get brought down to earth with a massive bang in the next few weeks. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll find out. But I I would I would really put us in a position where. We should, if the draw lands our way, we should be making the semi-finals of the Champions League, in my eyes. Um, but again, time will tell, I suppose, and injuries will tell. You know, I, I still think we're in a position where there are a couple of players, Rice and Saliba, who, if they get injured, we we drop off quite a lot, and that's that's just life. That's that's how it goes because in every team you have players, no matter how good the squad is you're going to have players who are absolutely irreplaceable because simply just because how good they are. Haaland, De Bruyne for Man City, Saliba, Rice for us. So injuries can change a lot. But um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'd say I'd put us in that very, very top tier. And that brings us back around to what I do think we were missing yesterday. I don't want to just be negative on everything, but I think it should have been a lot more comfortable than it was. I mean, looking at the stats here, we had 26 shots to their... Six. We had 10 corners to their one. Nine shots on target to their one. I guess it was 2-0. And if you look at that on a piece of paper, yeah, workman like 2-0. But had that gross chance gone in, we like you said earlier on in the podcast, we would have been having a very, very different conversation. And for the chances we had, we should have been winning that 3-4-0, in my opinion. And then it doesn't matter if that gross chance goes in. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Um, is that football's full of variables. It's a low-scoring game, football, and that means that sometimes that's why that's why you have cup upsets. That's why they're a thing. Football's a low-scoring game. Um, you see it all the time. Uh, I don't know if if you or um, uh, anyone who who listens plays Football Manager, but you'll have a game where you have thirty-three efforts on target. The other side has one, and you lose one nil. And in, in, in the world of Football Manager, that is known as being FM'd. But the, the, the truth of it what is... Were you, what were you happens. doing before recording this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old laptop still works well. Um, <laughs> but that happens in real life. It does happen. Games happen like that. You know, the, again, Liverpool United yesterday. I know United didn't win, but the fact that ended nil-nil, looking at the stats, is an absolute joke. How how can that possibly happen? The reason it happens is because football's a really low-scoring game. And even when you have elite-level best in the world type strikers who are going to get you 30, 40 goals a season, i.e. Erling Haaland, Lewandowski at his peak, you know, um, Harry Kane as well, as much as it pains me to say it, um, you know, it, it, there are going to be games where actually it's a lot tighter than it probably should be. And yesterday felt like that to me. 
we do have a problem, I think, with 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 a, a prolific goal scorer, um, and I don't know what we do about that, to be honest. Um, and and my worry is at some point it's going to catch us out. And at some point, well, maybe, I mean, maybe Villa was the game that it did catch us out actually. And we had quite a lot of forward momentum and played a lot around their box, but there was just no one there to, to put the ball in the back of the net. I don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of whispers about maybe trying to take Ivan Tony on loan with an obligation to buy. And I'm like, yeah, but if the obligation to buy is 70 million, I'm not sure I want to spend 70 million on Ivan Tony. It might even be more than 70 million. I don't know. If, Brentford said, oh, you take him on loan for a fee of five million for the rest of the season with no obligation to buy. I'll go for it. But I don't see why Brentford would do that either. Um, it's it's unfortunately a byproduct of us needing to strengthen other areas in the squad probably more desperately in the summer. I think if we didn't, if we, you know, obviously if we hadn't needed to go and sign Declan Rice, if we could be absolutely sure that Thomas Partey would be fit for 38 games in the league season, we probably wouldn't have needed to go and sign Rice. And maybe then that 115, 20 million becomes Victor Ossiman money. I don't know. Um, but you can't, you can't improve every area of the team in one transfer window. And, you know, to take us to the next level, it does feel like we need a number nine who is going to get us 30 goals a season. Um, and, you know, Gabriel Jesus is not that bloke. He does an awful lot for the side in a, in a different way, but he's not that bloke. Um, but then that's so, the yeah. thing on, on Gabby Jesus, like with him around the squad, if we were to go and sign an out and out goal scorer, how that affects our setup would be quite interesting because I can then see rather than, well, Jesus would obviously fill in out wide. I, mm. I could see that happening if we were to go. Definitely. All, all yeah, hypothetically, agreed. we sign Victor Osimhen. Not saying it will. Not saying I think it should. I'd, all hypothetical. Of course. I can also see him playing this Havertz role, which is becoming the Havertz role of Leverkusen, which was a second striker that helps out with build up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a ten and a half, is that a thing? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he does that almost naturally anyway. Exactly. I mean, at one point yesterday, he was deeper than um, deeper than Rice. And I'm thinking, mm. God, the heck, God's name are you going? But, yeah. he, you know, that's what he does. And I think that's I think that's where the issues kind of rise. Is he's so good at what he does, but as you've said on the podcast before, he's not a 25-goal-a-season man. That's not what he does. That's not who he is. I think we kind of masked that a little bit last season too, because I saw a stat yesterday that Martinelli had 15 goals last season and he's only got two this year. Um, and, you know, again, some of that does come down to the difference in, in, in the way that we're playing, but it becomes a lot more obvious that you're missing a 20, a goal season striker when your 15 goal, a season winger has only got two, you know, um, so it exposes us a little bit more. And it, just love sitting here moaning about all our problems <laughs> when we're top of the league. I know we say this every week, but um, and it's not moaning. I think it's 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 probably nitpicking and, and and trying to see how you can make this massively elite squad even better. But the, I think the other thing to say as well is that um, if you do want to go and sign a, a, a number nine a goal scorer, there just aren't that many out there anymore. There just aren't. In a perfect world, last season maybe we could have gone and offered. 100 million for Harry Kane but that was never going to happen um, you know uh, and, and that's that's just how it is 
So Osterman might be the option. Tony might be the option for a short term, a more short term solution. Who knows? Uh, maybe what, 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 what do you, I did, do you think that's the way you, bearing in mind our financial limitations, and we all know we've got FFP limitations now because we spent quite heavily in the summer with that in mind, do you think the solution should be to try and find some sort of short-term fix in the transfer market in January? Or do you think it should be, let's look at ways that we can get more goals from different areas of the pitch? Because I think it's been impressive how many people, again, 13 goal scorers we've had this season, which is the most in the Premier League. Amazing. Well, well, that, well that's the, yeah, on that, like, if Havertz continues this form and all of a sudden we're getting 15, 20 goals out of Havertz, Mm. then the fact that Jesus isn't that lethal finisher that we think we're missing, mm. that doesn't become as much of an issue. No, it's true. So maybe... This, may, this maybe, maybe, evolve, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe this is a conversation for the end of the season. Mm. Like, And whether whether that's the difference of us winning the league or not, I guess time will tell. Mm. But maybe Havertz was a goal-scoring buy. Maybe Arteta seen what yeah. he did at Leverkusen and thought, if we can tap into that, then all of a sudden we don't need our strikers to score as many goals. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the way we've gone about it. And then we can prioritise yeah, maybe- more of a, a centre-back a and possibly another centre-midfielder. Mm. You know, so it's it's one. It's kind it of like... time will tell situation, isn't it's, it? It's, it's, a, it's a stick or twist thing. Like, you know, we, we've seen the reports saying that we do want to go get Ivan Tony in January. However that might work because I'm, I'm guessing we'd then have to confirm the purchase of Raya before the end of the season because you can't loan yeah. two players from one club. So we couldn't get him on loan unless we were to fast track that Raya deal. Yeah, and I just don't know. I, I think the, the, the reason we took like Raya on loan to begin with is that we didn't have the money to be able to buy him outright straight yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't see a realistic way in, in which that works unless... I don't. I don't even know unless there's some sort of money swapping for Inkea or something. I don't know. I don't. Well, that, know, well, that's it. That's what. That's what I was about to ask a question. Like, where if we if we are going to go buy someone big and we need to bring some money in, where's that coming from? Apart yeah, from, I don't, I don't, there aren't apart too from many Thomas places. Parte, maybe. I mean, maybe. Um, I think the ship might have sailed a little bit with him, unfortunately, because like you know the the whole the whole um the other isn't that the possibility that he'd have moved to Saudi in the summer. Um, but I think that ship might have sailed now, and I don't see, I don't see many European clubs being particularly interested in him for a number of reasons. But the the, the primary one being, uh, he can't stay fit. You know, an elite level European club. He's a brilliant, 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 brilliant footballer. He's a brilliant footballer. You know, and when he was fit last season, I I honestly thought he was our best player. I really did. He was the most important player we had in the team, along with Saliba. Um, but if you can't keep him fit, there's no point having him. There's absolutely no point having a brilliant, brilliant footballer if they never play football. So I think I can't imagine we get a massive amount of money for him now, unless a Saudi Arabian club did want to go and spend fifty million quid on him. But I don't see that particularly happening now. No. So I, I, again, yeah, I don't know where the money comes from. We haven't really got any players that we could sell for massive money that we don't need. You know, I know there was whispers in the summer about Smith Rowe maybe being flogged for 40, 50 million, mm. which I think he's worth at his, at his best. But again, he's another one with his question marks about his fitness. Um, so yeah, I think if we're going to, if we're going to need to raise money, 
it's going to be, you know, maybe a fundraising car wash on the on the Holloway Road or something. That's all <laughs> is that a that's that's all I've got. Is that you putting yourself you. forward for this? Are you gonna you're gonna get your trunks out? Yeah, get my trunks out. I'll on start a, a GoFundMe as well if you want. A, you know, charity golf day. I don't know something <laughs> like that. We'll, we'll figure we'll figure something out. I'm sure we seem to be able to find money down the back of the sofa a lot more now than we used to be. Where's Meza Urza when you need him when he was funding Gunasaurus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, so, but then, uh, but we've we've talked about Tony. and We've talked about um, Osimen. The other one that might be quite interesting is Evan Ferguson, actually. Yeah. I th- is he some? Uh, is uh, I'm I'm speaking out loud here as well as asking you the question. Is he someone that we could buy for sixty, seventy million, with maybe Enketia as a as another make weight, and that gets us around that FFP issue? Can you I see? No, because my, my my thought behind Evan Ferguson is, if the Havertz and Jesus, along with everywhere else, we're getting our goals from works well enough this season and say not scoring enough goals isn't the reason why we win the league say we do go to the end of the season with the offensive options we've got now do we then go for Ferguson in the summer and then that's someone young that Arteta can mould into what we want what he what he wants his number nine to be Mm. four or five years in the future when Maybe Jesus is still there. Maybe he's not, but someone that's mm. going to take over the reins of that slot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I can absolutely see where you're coming from. I think I think the one thing I will say is I think our involvement in title races, both last year and this year, leads to a lot of short term thinking on behalf of the fan base. And I'm sure there's no short term thinking going on, you know, in, in the in the in the actual club. Mm. You know, I think Jorginho is a relatively short term move, but not in a Oh, desperate! We we need Jorginho to win the league. It was we need a body who's a proven Premier League player to be able to step in when we we've got a lot of injuries, and that's what he's done. I don't think I don't think the manager will be thinking like that. Um, in terms of in terms of you know short term, you know fixes, we all wanted Caicedo and Mudrick last January as like you know we, we we've got a chance of winning the league. Let's buy these players for two hundred million quid and let's just win it. Let's just win it. Thinking not at all about the future. So Tony to me represents that short term. Any bloke will will do, and don't get me wrong, really good football player, but also hasn't played football for six months. Um, also, would be a way bigger outlay. The things about way, Trossard and yeah. Jorginho were they were they were clever deals, Huge. and yeah, I think exactly. in terms of value for money, those two, however much longer they're at Arsenal for will go yeah. down as very, very good value for money signings. Yeah, I mean, well, Jorginho, well, Jorginho for 8 million. Mm. I mean, you don't sign anyone for 8 million anymore. No. It's not a thing that happens. So, yeah, it was worth it straight away, as was Trossard. Yeah, and then with, um, but with Tony, it's it's probably going to be 65 plus, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, so I think, yeah, Ferguson is the, uh, is the opposite of that. He's the long-term thinking. And, you know, Jesus is, is deceptively young. I think he's 26 or something. Um, so he's got a lot of years left in him still. Uh, but I think it's, you you do always have to keep an eye on the future. I'm sure the manager does. I'm sure the the whole club does, you know, a lot of the signings we've made. Kivior was another one who's clearly a signing for the future. Fabio Vieira, clearly a signing for the future. Um, and you can argue to, to as much as you want on whether they'll both actually reach the levels they need to reach. But we're clearly, we're clearly a club with half an eye on five years time. Um, and so does it make real sense to, to to put all your eggs in the Tony basket in January in the hope that he might be able to score in the in the 
say in the 19 games left, he might be able to score 15 goals, which would be an incredible return. I mean, if he gets 15 goals and wins us the league, it's worth whatever we pay for him. But there's no guarantee that'll happen. And if it doesn't work out, then you're left with a bloke who's not young, because he's not, uh, you spent a lot of money for, and does he really fit into the squad for next season? So, yeah, I mean, there's some big decisions to be made. Personally, I'm with you. I, it's very, very possible that actually Havertz started to pop up with all these goals is going to become a recurring thing. And all we really need to do is start getting, telling Martinelli to stop taking players on three times and actually have a, have a dig mm. you know you know that, I think that's a, a, there was a few times yesterday where he did that he wanted to take players on twice instead of putting the ball in in, in the bots yeah. or having a dig um, and if he can start popping up with more goals as well and maybe Odegaard will now that he's back in the side you know um, consistently who that's, knows Yeah, it might not end up being the big deal that we think it is but it does feel like after the last two games you know Villa went the wrong way and yesterday could have possibly gone the wrong way and it all does come down to the fact that we had 20 shots and only, you know, in the first half yesterday, I think we had like 16, 17 shots and leave three were on target. And that's, that's not good enough. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this being Arsenal version two in terms mm. of title challenging Arsenal. Maybe, you know, all, all, all this is time will tell in terms of maybe as, we're judging last season's standards on this season's team when it's mm. playing a completely different way. We're so much better defensively and we still have some of that fluidity starting to creep back in like yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's been a perfect storm of the players adjusting to this new way of playing and some players just not being at the levels of form that they were last season, like Erdegaard, Martinelli, mm-hmm. um, I definitely agree there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it's just a few factors. Mm. Um, and it's always going to take time to, for a team to gel. So we seem to be getting somewhere. Definitely. Um, I'm looking maybe, forward, um, you know, who knows, maybe we go to Anfield next week and Shazu scores a hat trick and shuts us all the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, but I was, uh, yeah. I was just about to say very much looking forward to that game at Anfield. I'm glad you are. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think we've got anything to fear after watching them yesterday, yeah. but they always seem to perform against us and we always seem to shit the bed at Anfield. So, um, yeah, uh, a huge game, obviously, for the title race. Massive, massive game now. Um, because all of a sudden, you know, it's nice that we're, we're we're a point ahead of them now because it almost feels like if we do lose next week, it's not the disaster it could have been. Uh, not that I, I'm happy with the loss next week because I'm not, but it's not the disaster it could have been. On the flip side, if we nick it, we're starting to feel a little bit, ooh, mm. you know, it's starting to look like we might be in this for the long haul again. It's great for Arsenal, great for the fans, awful for my blood pressure. <laughs> but, you know, um, so yeah, I'm glad you're looking forward to it. And I'm, you know, you have to look forward to these games don't you I'd rather be playing in these types of games than you know trying to fight for 8th and ninth like we were for a couple of seasons on that note that brings us to the end of this episode of Fun Great Tom thank you very much for joining us 
pleasure mate thank you as always uh, if you want to connect with us if you want to chat with us email fogginggrey at gmail.com all the details of where you can find our twitters are also in the description down below make sure you like subscribe leave us a rating leave us a review and also uh, I'll be putting together a charity car wash on the Holloway Road so if you want to send <laughs> send someone down uh, 10 quid uh, to the Ivan Toady Fund 2024 <laughs> see you later see you later